We are at the end of our series that we have entitled Collide. When, when your family and your church collide, what happens? So what happens in that circle of family and the things that go on here? And then what happens in, in the church world? And, and if we collide these two things, what comes from that? And we've been focusing on um, Deuteronomy 6, the Shema. In verse 4, it begins this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are away on a journey, when you are lying down and when you are getting up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in this part, we, we, we finish this series by going back to the beginning. The beginning of this, it starts, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. Listen up, because we're going to talk about our God. See, what's happening here, and and everything that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, it all comes down to this. If you take all of what we have talked about over these many weeks, and you say that you're going to do them by yourself, you've completely not heard us. And you completely have missed what God is saying here. Everyone listen. This is our God. This God isn't, you know, I, I can't walk around and go, hey, You know, Jesus, he died for my sins, not yours. He's my God, not yours. You go find your own God. There's a song that we always, um, and they they threw it up, they they threw a curveball and played it at the end, but uh, there's a song that we always joke about, and it begins, he is jealous for me. Not so much you, but he's jealous for me. Really, these are funny things. Y'all need to wake up. I'm going to have you stand up, turn around three times, and then sit back down. Because you're killing me, 11 o'clock. 9.30, thought that was hysterical. You used to be my favorite. You're slipping, okay? You're slipping. But, you know, like, that's absurd to say that. He's jealous for me, and he's not really jealous for you, just me. Because we try to make it a personal thing. But we live in a society in which, really, we try to focus on ourselves and ourselves alone. Even from the church, from loud voices in Christendom, you hear things to make you yourself better. Be the best you you can be. But this discounts all of what this community stuff is about. Because God didn't create, it, create us to function as islands, as individuals. He created us to function as a family. Yes, there's family drama. Yes, we are not a healthy family at times. But we're still a family. And we still need one another. See, God created each of us with different gifts and different talents. Some he created to be amazing songwriters and guitar players and singers. Some he created to stand up in front of a lot of people and tell jokes that fall flat on the 11 o'clock crowd because apparently they don't care about the time change and maybe they got up too early and hadn't had their coffee yet or whatever. But we're still going to keep firing. And some of you he created to be listeners. Some of you who created to be completely organized and able to keep those of us who are not on track. But what he did is he created all of us such in such a way that we needed one another. 
that we needed one another to experience truly what it was like to be loved by him. We've talked about this last week. We said we have to get into this rhythm of loving God and loving others, loving God and loving others, getting into a way of life where that just becomes natural to who you are. Who are you? What do you do? I love God and I love other people. Done. And the best way that we can learn how to do this is together. It's together. We have to have a community. Dinah Shelley is preaching down the hall, and we were talking about what we were going to say this morning. And I said, um, if I bet $100 on which one of us was going to quote Hillary Clinton today, I would have lost because I would have bet you. And she's not. Um, but Hillary Clinton is famous for taking an African adage that said it takes a village. It takes a village to raise a child. And you know, in, in truth, that's, that's true. It really does. So this morning... Um, Here's what happened in the Crocker house. The time changed, and, um, and that's great, except, you know, kids don't understand that there's a time change, and they wake up when they wake up, right? So Grace wakes up, and she's, like, ready to go, and um, I think, it, I can't remember what time it was, but it was early. And Jenna's like, can she come in here and just get in bed with us? I'm like, yes, that's fine. So she came, and she got in bed, and she was quiet for a little while. But then she starts, you know, grabbing one of us. Really, it was grabbing Jenna. And she starts going, teacher, 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 teacher. She knows it's Sunday. She knows we're coming to Sunday school. She's excited to see her Sunday school teacher. She wants a picture. What picture? We don't know. But this continues to go on for the rest of the morning. Now, Jenna is the saint that she is, lets me sleep in on Sunday mornings. And so she takes Grace out into the rest of the house and, and is subsequently going through this conversation again and again and again. Grace gets frustrated because we can't figure out what picture she wants. She can't tell us. She has very limited communication. And so she just keeps going, teacher, teacher, prepare, prepare. Then if we figure out what she wants and it's not a choice, oh no. Then she gets mad and she starts swinging. She comes into the bedroom where I am um, still under the covers, and she doesn't appreciate this. So she pulls the covers off of me and goes, Abba, Abba, which is for her to say, up. Get up. Abba, Abba. Pitcher, pitcher. Like, Grace, no. Where's your mother? Go talk to your mother about this. I bet mommy knows where the picture is. Go ask her. I might have said that this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and so, you know, she'll run off for a second, but she's right back because Jenna, I'm sure, is like, go ask your dad. Um, and so we bounce, we ping pong her back and forth. Um, it's like a match. Who can last the longest? Um, and I did. I won today uh, because Jenna just had hit her wall and it was too much. And Grace was starting to attack her. And so we put her in her room. And don't call CPS on us, but if you have a kid with special needs, then you can start talking to us about this. Periodically, for her safety, for the sanity of our entire home, we lock her in a room. We put her in a room. We lock her in there. She gets mad. How do we know this? When we go to open the door later, she has torn a magazine to shreds. She's smarter a lot of times than she wants us to realize. She understands that this is going to cause us more consternation when she goes in there. She takes her magazine with Princess Kate on the cover, by the way. Why would you destroy Princess Kate is what I'm saying. But she just rips it to shreds. And she's like, what? What are you going to do about it? We all know who runs this house, mom and dad. It's me. This is how our morning's going. So I get to leave because I have to come to work. And I'm like, love you. Um, let's say a prayer. 
peace be with you, and, and out the door I go. Um, here's the thing, though, and I say this as a dad who has a kid with special needs because I know it applies to every child, but very intimately for kids with special needs and for families who have those children. We can't do it on our own. There's no way that Jenna and I could raise grace on our own. We just can't. We don't have the physical capacity for it. We don't have the mental capacity for it. We don't have the spiritual capacity for it. On our own, if we were left to raise her, we probably would be divorced. We probably would be at each other's throats all of the time. Because it just gets that tiring. It's that hard. And so we know that it takes a village. So what happens when Jen arrives at church on Sunday mornings is she will usher the kids in. And I say usher the kids in. A lot of times it's by yanking and pulling and threatening to get Grace to go into the children's wing. But she goes into the children's wing and it's there that people understand in our village steps up because people know who Grace is. And they see her coming. They're like, oh, let me take her. Let's go down to school. Come on, Grace. Let's go. And they know that Jenna at this point in the day probably needs somebody to step in between them. And so they come. And she goes to Sunday school. And most of the time, Jenna's at the 930 service. And and she sits here and she worships with us and she hears um, the sermon or whatever. And then in between the services, somebody goes and gets grace. And it may be Jenna. It may be someone else. But someone will go and get her. And then she comes back here. And we have Debbie Welch, who is our grace heralder. Grace Shepherd, Grace, I don't know, Wrangler, I guess. And Debbie Welch is this amazing woman who, do, who sets up our communion stuff for us all the time. And she's usually wandering around back there somewhere. She may have Grace right now. I don't know where she is, but uh, she does have Grace. She's out there with Grace, yes. If you saw Grace was up here and Grace had donut all over her. And she keeps trying to give me a hug and I'm giving her the stiff arm. No, oh, hey, hey, oh, hey, you're sticky. I love my children, but they're kind of gross at times. And, and so she's up here, and Jenna is trying to worship, and Grace is not going to let us. So Debbie escorts her out because it takes a village. It takes people in our community, in our lives, to love God and love us so that we can experience the love of God. Later this afternoon, we have a baseball game. We've been playing fall ball, and I told you about this last week. We're at 430, right, because I said it wrong last week. 4.30, sweet. Uh, 4.30. And Grace has been taking dance class. And Grace um, enjoys going to dance class. But again, her mother's been taking her, and it hasn't gone well very much um, over the past couple of dance sessions. So uh, her sister's taking her today. Her sister said, what can I do to help? She asked Cindy Boynton this. What can I do to help Jenna? And Cindy goes, take Grace to dance class out in Helotus, Texas. Like, you have to cross loops to get out there is what I'm talking about. And so she is taking so Jenna can come and watch Corbin play baseball. This is just one day. This happens for us all of the time in our lives because we have this family of people, this village of people who love God so much that they're willing to put up with us. That they're willing to put up with the crazy show that is the Crocker family. Because it's a crazy show from time to time. On Friday, Daryl and I talked about this Shabbat meal thing that we want you all to start doing. To start hanging out with the people you already hang out with, but make it a purposeful evening. Gather together. Have a little prayer at the beginning and then have a meal. Share a meal. Do life together. 
Friday night is when we typically do this. That's the Sabbath. And so this week, instead of having Shabbat, we had Shabbat. Because <laughs> it was Halloween, of course. And, and so we had Shabbat at our house. And, um, and everybody comes over and, and all the kids are, are dressed up because we're going to go hit the streets and, you know, beg people for candy because uh, that's what Halloween is all about. Um, I never talked to you any other time of the year. Trick or treat. Uh, Sorry, I had a little bitter. I went to Bittertown there for a second. Um, so, so you know, the kids all get dressed up, and and um, and Grace was Elsa from Frozen. She was the only one I hear in the in the United States that dressed as Elsa. We're really really proud of that. Um, Corbin was Olaf, the snowman, from Frozen. Cindy Boynton's son Drew was Kristoff, uh, who is the guy who has the reindeer and the ice company. Which, by the way, I guarantee you, he was the best Kristoff around the country. He owned it. I mean, he came in and his costume was amazing. And he is, if you don't know Drew, Drew is, um, he is 21 now, has Downs and autism, was homecoming king, king in Alamo Heights a few years ago. And he is just one of the most remarkable people you'd ever meet. He has this amazing uh, memory for musical lyrics, which I really appreciate. That's why he and I are like, Drew, man, let's, and right now his current favorite is Frozen. Um, and so he can sing Let It Go like nobody's business. Um, but so we have this, and then we have Laura Ingalls Wilder, little Abby Smith. She's, you know, the Smith family, they're very literary people. So um, smarter than the rest of us. We're like, we go to cartoon TV show. They go like literature wise, whatever. And then we have um, some other, a smattering of other people. But my favorite was uh, Yates Harris, who is like this tall, if you know little Yates. And he was, he was Nemo. He had this big Nemo fish. And he's just like walking around this little clownfish. And, and I kept going. I found him. Thank you. Finding Nemo. 930 didn't get that. Y'all are coming. You're making a comeback. Making a comeback. Um, and, and so we go and we go trick-or-treating. In our, in our, the, there's a three-block radius of our, of our house that has a ton of families and a ton of kids. And we all decide to go trick-or-treating at the same time, which means no one's home, right? You just walk. Uh, oh, wait. There they are right there. Hey, throw me some of your candy, uh, you know, type deal. And uh, so no one's there. We're, we're going. We're walking. But it's just mass chaos. Cars are choosing to come down our road, and then they're regretting that decision. Because no one cares about cars on Halloween, which is a little bit dangerous, too, right? So I have this stroller that I'm pushing, and currently it only has, just get over this, all right, a cooler in it. And I'm pushing the stroller, and I'm following behind everybody and, and, and trying to keep up. And, um, and then eventually Nemo joins me. So it's me and Nemo and the cooler in the, in, in the stroller. And we're kind of tagging behind, just talking to neighbors. Hey, how you doing? Right, nice jack-o'-lantern and uh, whatever. And, ah, you're scary. Oh, you're not supposed to be. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, type stuff like that. And, and so we're just going around and, and, and pushing this stuff. And at some point, I have no idea where Elsa is, you know, because there's a lot of princesses out there, and they all kind of look the same, really, on Halloween. And, and Olaf, I know, is going to be fine. Olaf's running from house to house. He's leading the pack. He's like, let's go. I like warm hugs, you know, and, and stuff. And he's everywhere. But Elsa has, is just, she kind of goes where Elsa goes, right? And when you're a princess, that's what you do, or a queen, I guess, that's what you do. And, um, and so she would just kind of run out into the street. Dr. Daryl um, is standing in the middle of the street, and he's just kind of pacing the group. He doesn't really want to engage with my neighbors because he doesn't live in that neighborhood. So he doesn't go up to the front doors and say, hi, I'm from Terrell Hills, whatever, elitist. Um, He stays in the middle. But what he did was he was on Elsa patrol because I would periodically hear him go, Elsa, 
Elsa, get, Elsa, get back over here. When she darted into the street, there is Dr. Darrell shepherding her. Because we couldn't do it. It would have just taken us all night long and just like carrying her and struggling. At one time, she did break into a neighbor's house and she ran in um, to this neighbor's house. And they're like, is Elsa in there? Like, yeah, no problem. You know, and she comes out with one of their books. And I'm like, she likes to read about World War II fighter planes. Thanks. Can we borrow that? But it was because of the, the mass chaos of the night, we knew that they would be okay. Because the people we were with loved God, and they loved us. That's it. They loved God, and they loved us. And, and they allowed us to have an enjoyable evening. Now, there were still times of crocker craziness, and still moments of attack. But what that is, is a group of people who say, Hero Israel. Oh, wait, that's us. The Lord our God. Oh, yeah, that's all of us. The Lord alone. Love him with everything you have, and as Jesus later adds to it, and love your neighbor the same way. Imagine what it would be like if we all committed to live in these kind of communities. Not, uh, not every one of you live over there by the high school where, where I do. And you don't live, you don't walk on our streets. I didn't see you on Halloween. And I'm not going to see you next Halloween because you just don't live there. But you live over in Daryl Hills. I wanted so bad for his 40th birthday to change that sign outside Terrell Hills and put a big D on it, take a picture of it. Or you live wherever you live in Almost Park or you live over here by us on this campus. Wherever you live, you have neighbors and you have a neighborhood and you have a community that already exists there. What if you began to commit to loving God by loving the people around you all of the time? What if you got to get into these groups where you lived life together in such a way that the craziness that is your family, because let's be honest, every single one of your families is crazy in one way or another, is loved by another group of families. If we truly want to have these two worlds collide, we have to do it together. We have to do it. We have to say well, our two, the, the things that make us who we are is we love God and we love other people. But we don't do it alone. We do it as family. And as family, we come to the table of God. Those who are assisting with communion, if you would come forward right now. The rest of you, if you would join me in an attitude of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of community. For the gift of community that is seen through those saints, those souls who have gone before. Through the gift of community that is seen in this room, in our neighborhoods. Help us, Lord, to understand what it means to be people who love you and love one another in community. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He gave thanks. He said, take this, eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. 
After supper was over, he took the cup and he raised it to heaven and he blessed God. He said, take this and drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And so we come in remembrance of these mighty acts of salvation, of grace and mercy. We come believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, these would be the body and blood of Christ for us. And that as we consume them, we would be called into a new way of life. A way of living that honors the commandment to love God with everything that we are. To love one another the same way. We thank you, we praise you, Father, for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen.